0: Morning. Good to be with you all on this week before Christmas, continuing in this Advent series where we have been since the beginning of December. And this morning in this message, we've looked at hope, we've looked at um, peace, or or we looked at um, love, or we're going to look now at peace. And I want to make a challenge for us, and the challenge is this as it's been the last couple weeks. And that is for us to make room this morning as we consider uh, this season, as we reflect on the birth of Christ, to make room for peace in our lives. And I say that whether you are, maybe you're here, it's Christmas season, you're here just with a friend, you're sort of considering the Christian faith, not even maybe a Christian here this morning. You are new to the faith, as some of these people who were baptized, or someone who has been a follower of Christ for a very long time. The peace of God is not a transaction, right? The peace of God that we're talking about is not something that you sort of store up, right, for when you need it later on. The peace of God is something that we make room for in the context of our relationship with God every day of our lives. And that's what I want to challenge us to think about this morning. And I want you to consider this challenge, making room today for God's peace, a greater experience with God's peace. As we look at a familiar story uh, around the birth of Jesus, probably Luke 2, the most familiar story of all the Christmas accounts in the Gospels is this one, Luke chapter 2. So if you have a copy of the Bible, Luke chapter 2, we'll read verses 8 through 15 in a sermon titled, Making Room for Peace. Luke 2, 8 through 15, follow along as I read these words. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will, be, will cause great joy for all the people. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Making room for peace. First thing, sort of strangely, as I read this passage, what does it say to me? What does it say to you? How do I make room for peace or more room for peace in my life, in your life today, is you need to acknowledge your fear. Okay? And by that I mean specifically your fear and my fear, whether you have new to the Christian faith or a long-time follower of Christ. Acknowledge your fear um, of God. You know, It says in this passage, think about it, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified terrified. It's one of the strongest words. There's a series of words uh, translated uh, fear in the the Greek New Testament. And this one is the strongest one. It literally means it's a compound word. It means metaphobic. Okay. They were terrified. Now you could read that as I thought about this familiar passage, I tried to read it and think about it over the course of preparing for this message. You could say, well, they were terrified. It's just a way of talking about, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a metaphor. It's, a, it's, it's, it's just a, a way to talk about their response to something Supernatural. Right? So I might say that, even if it was something not scary, angels in heaven perhaps aren't scary. They were giving good news. But if you or I were to see something supernatural, I don't know, maybe a nova or anything, right? We see something supernatural. We might use the word, well, I was terrified. I I was scared. You might think that's the case. And that's all that the writer is saying is that the shepherds were doing their thing on the night watch, they have this amazing vision in the sky and they were terrified because of the supernatural. However, the rest of the Bible, those of us or you who, who know the Bible story, would suggest otherwise. I mean, there's so many examples I, I, I don't have time to give you. Let me just give you a few. When Moses comes down to, for, with the Ten Commandments. Moses coming down from the mountain, after he gets the Ten Commandments, it says the people saw the smoke and the voice of the thunder, and they, were, and they were terribly afraid, and they said to Moses, speak to us, but we don't want to hear from God. We're terrified in the presence of God. Okay? Isaiah, those of you who know that story, Isaiah chapter 6 This unusual, very unusual, the prophet, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament has this vision. We're not exactly sure what it is, but all of a sudden in Isaiah 6, he's in the throne room of God Almighty, right? Isaiah chapter 6, and it says, he hears the sound of thunder, the voice of God. There's there's a temple in heaven, and it says the pillars, whatever this means, in heaven were shaking like the whole place is going to come down. He says, I was terrified. I was a man of unclean lips. In so many words, all I wanted to do was get out of there. Because being close to the presence of God struck fear. The book of Revelation. Those of us who know the book of Revelation, how it starts. And what is the book of Revelation? The book of Revelation is a disclosure, a revealing of, you might know, say, the glorified Jesus not the guy who walked the, uh, in the form of the, the, the dusty roads of Galilee, but the glorified, risen from the dead Jesus, who has this unbelievable, you know, it says his, his, his eyes were like flames of fire. He had, uh, you know, this beautiful, powerful uh, sword coming out of his mouth. It's this beautiful, glorified vision. And John the Apostle sees him, and when he sees him, he falls down as a dead man because he's in the presence of God, Okay? They were terrified with fear. What's the point? To be in the presence of God is a fearful thing. Why? Because God is holy, perfect, and awesome. And in this way, okay, he is unlike us. Think about that for a minute, right? God is holy. When I was uh, just in the ministry, uh, just started my ministry, I had the opportunity, I was doing a wedding. It might have been one of my first two or three or four weddings that I've ever done. It's kind of a, actually a very scarier than doing a sermon when you first become a minister is doing a wedding. And I'm doing a wedding and I found out the day of the wedding that somebody, one of the top presidential candidates that was running for president they, was going to be at the wedding because his daughter was involved, was a friend of the bride. Could you imagine that? I mean, even today that would strike fear in me. I'm this 20X year old kid that said, oh, by the way, you know, so-and-so is going to be at the wedding today. That struck fear in this 20X-year-old young man that this person was going to be sitting in this, uh, in, probably in a front row seat <laughs> of this wedding. Well, imagine if someone told you the God of the universe was gonna be at the wedding or was gonna be at your dinner. The God of whom it says he uh, lives in unapproachable light. Okay? To be in the presence of God is a fearful thing because God is holy. The peace, here's my point, that is announced here, right? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those in whom his favor rests. The peace that is announced here is peace with God, okay? Not of God. What do I mean by that? It's a peace that is given because there is a broken relationship. There's a pe- not because God doesn't love us or love human beings but because of human sin and God is so holy we come into the world at war with God that's what the bible says now i know that's very that's 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 something we try to avoid thinking about it's a wildly unpopular thing to say but it's what the bible teaches not because God doesn't love us but because of human sin. And what the announcement of the the angels were was that God has made peace in Jesus Christ, right? That's the whole point. He was born so that he could die, so that he could solve the problem of humanity's separation with God. That's the point. But when we fail to recognize it, Right, That this is peace with God. Before I can feel the peace of God, an inner peace, which is important, a kind of joy and closeness with God, I need to first have peace made with God. That's the announcement that's being made here. And when we fail to recognize it or seek to avoid it or try to have a relationship with God around it, we avoid the full weight of the good news. Right, That God has made peace in Jesus Christ. One of the people that were baptized next uh, service with permission, Jenna Allen. Describe your life before following Jesus. She said this. I was very depressed and anxious all the time. I was bullied at school and emotionally and verbally abused by my dad and stepmother. I was even suicidal for a while. I felt God calling me but didn't know who he was at the time. I was scared at first, right? It's a fearful thing to be in the presence of a holy God. Then I read a book, The Case for Christ, and it helped me see who the real God is. And then I was finally able to trust God with my life. Right? She understood the gospel, that God is holy, God is perfect. But God, and in our sin, separates us from God. But he sent Jesus into the world to make peace. He did for us what we could not do ourselves. He satisfied the justice of God. That's what this announcement is. Now, if you even if you've never been to church, or you're, you, 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 this is your third time to church, you probably know the hymn, Hark the herald angels sing. Because if you haven't sung it in church, you've heard it in the mall. All right? So just, just go with me for a minute. I want us all to just sing. okay? You can even just speak the words Bob Dylan style if you want, if you're not a singer like me. Just the first part of the first verse. okay? We all know this. Ready? Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconcile. Very good, okay? <laughs> Peace on earth and mercy mild, wait for it, God and sinners Reconciled. That's the point. That's the peace that's being announced here. The truth is, you are not at war with the world. You are not at war with the close relationships in your life. You and I are not at war with the other political party that we don't like. We come into the world, your friends, your neighbors, Your kids, your parents, you come into the world at war with God. But God has has solved the problem. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, which means to be judged for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God says, listen, you come into the world in conflict with God because of sin. And there's nothing you can do about it. And we spend our lives trying to avoid it, to work around it, to try to medicate it. And the announcement, the angel says, listen, God has solved this problem for you. He has sent his son into the world. He is going to bear the burden of your sin. He is going to be judged for your sin. This is the announcement. And you and I, here's the point to those of us who are believers here, You'll never experience, make more room for the peace of God until you learn how to live out of peace with God. You have to come back to the gospel every single day of your life and remind yourself that God has made peace in Jesus Christ for you. He has forgiven you of all of your sin. And you come back to that, I come back to that every single day. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love that I may put my trust in you. That's how you make room. For God's peace. One, you have to acknowledge your fear. Number two, according to this passage, you need to surrender, okay, it's the daily thing, your pride, okay? Think about this. If, if you were to read this, as I say, the most famous passage of the Christmas story, right? You'll hear this in the mall. You'll hear this you know, on, tell, on, on popular TV, the most famous passage. But if you could read it this morning without all the layers of familiarity, the shepherds, the angels, it's so common to us. If you could read it without the layers of familiarity, maybe even the sentimentality, you would see in this passage a very intentional irony, okay? Okay? a very intentional irony what is irony for those of us who don't know what irony is it's an event that seems to deliberately be contrary to what you would expect right there's a very deliberate irony in this passage what is this deliberate irony in this passage well there's there's this vision You're out there, your shepherds in the field, they're not expecting it. These are guys just out there doing their thing in the middle of the night. This is their job. And they have this amazing vision in the sky. And this vision in the sky, this would be true for anyone, but especially if you happen to be Jewish, which these shepherds were, the whole Jewish history, a thousand years in in, in the making, was waiting for the promise of the Messiah. It's the through line throughout the entire Old Testament. And these shepherds, they get it. The long-awaited Messiah is coming. This is the announcement. And today, in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior has been born, a Messiah. That's the idea of mentioning David's name. They're trying to make the point. He's here. They get this amazing message. The people of God, maybe the world's been waiting for it for a thousand years. And then... Then he says, listen, just to, to verify what I'm saying, now let me take this message and I want to give you a sign that what we're saying is true. Now you think, okay, if this is the amazing vision, what's the sign? You know, go to the Colosseum and you'll see him born or something. No, go to Bethlehem and to a baby in a manger. It's a very underwhelming sign. Bethlehem, for 2,000 years, has been associated with the birth of Jesus. And it's been always this, you know, the little town, one stoplight, no-nothing town of Bethlehem. It's very cute. It's been very sentimentalized. But let me say this. It's, It's also very true to history. In other words, the town of Bethlehem, even today, I've been there. Some of you have. Okay after all 2000 years of history after all the you know the, the 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 tourism of 2000 years of history people go to Bethlehem every year today Bethlehem is smaller in population than the town of Penfield can you imagine what it was like 2000 years ago it was not a very, it was nothing it was it was a small little village why would god decide when he's going to one time make an announcement, take on human form, the promise of all the ages, to send his son into the world. Say, listen, I have a sign for you. What is it? Go to Bethlehem. And don't even go to the hotel. Don't even go to so-and-so's house. Go to a manger, and there you will find the Christ child. The author of human history, here's the point the creator of the universe was not born in a manger because there was no room anywhere else. I mean, that's part of the story. But God's, God is sovereign. Okay? So, what I'm saying is this yes, he was born. Yes, the the events of history, he goes there and there's a census and it's busy and Bethlehem's so small and Joseph's from Bethlehem, so there's no room for them. But my point is in the sovereignty of God, the creator of the universe, the God of all glory, if you believe the Bible for what it's saying, he wasn't born in a manger in Bethlehem because there actually was nowhere else to be born, it was intentional. Right? It was intentional. He was born in a manger in a know nothing town to poor parents to show his vulnerability, to invite your vulnerability without which you cannot be saved. Right? It was an affront to all human pride. Or, without which you cannot go very far in your growth as a Christian, right? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born in Bethlehem to be a crushing blow to people's pride. To say, listen, God loves you. He solved all your problems for you. Acknowledge your fear. Peace with God. But you have to put everything down to come to him. And if you don't, you got nothing from God. That's why he was born in Bethlehem. You want to make peace in your life? You want to have a room, make greater room for the peace of God that's promised? Number one, acknowledge your fear. It's a fearful thing to fall into the presence of a holy God. Listen, we, we, there's a lot of people who don't know Christ today and a lot of us who are Christians who aren't drawing closer to God in a meaningful way because we've, we've reduced God down to somebody like us. He's holy. He's perfect. He lives in unapproachable light. You and I come into the world separated from God. That's a scary thing. It's a sobering thing. But the good news is God has sent his son to deal with that separation, to deal with that alienation. He took a bullet for you. That's the beauty of the message. We need to acknowledge our fear. We need to surrender our pride. Luke 14 Jesus, one time in in the, in the same gospel, he was invited to a Pharisee's house for dinner. Sometimes we read the Bible, and, and, and you know, there's there's certain characters that we we put them in, in in a one-dimensional box. We say, well, the Pharisees were these bad guys, and, and and they're the bad guys in the New Testament. They're really not. There were many of them that had a self-importance. They were they they were so religiously um, focused on their own morality and. And, and, and they were self-righteous, and they missed the beauty of Jesus, but not all of them. And Jesus was, even the Apostle Paul, of course, who wrote 13 letters of the New Testament, was a Pharisee. Some people got it. And Jesus was at dinner one time with a Pharisee. And he notices, if you read the whole passage, I'm not going to read it, but it says he noticed while he was there that the people of importance We're all sitting at the front of the table, right? So, you know, I'm the host. I'm Pharisee X. And says Jesus noticed, you know, that the mayor was here and and the other Sanhedrin were here. And, you know, the the important donors were here. And Jesus noticed that all the important people got the the, the best seats at the table. And so he turns to his Pharisee friend. He says these words. Then Jesus said to his host making a subtle, uh, not so subtle point. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid, At the resurrection of the righteous. Listen, Jesus was not just being clever in these verses. This is a guest list for the kingdom of God. that's what Jesus is doing. God's announcement to the shepherds, right, was intentional. Just like Bethlehem. And he wanted the people of Israel to know. And he wanted all the world to know. That the thing that's most standing in your way, the thing that is most standing in my way, the thing that is most standing in the way of many people of experiencing God's peace is your pride. Because you think, you know what? Many of us think we can do life fine on our own. And that God, there are people for whom Jesus needs to be their Savior, but for us, for some of us, He just needs to be, He's kind of our personal assistant. But unless you're willing To acknowledge your fear, to recognize God is holy. He's not any less holy than He's ever been. He sent Jesus to satisfy His justice. But number two, even today, I've been a Christian for many, many years. Even today, all of us, every day I need to surrender my pride and recognize I need to go to Bethlehem, I need to go to the manger. I need to recognize that I need to put down whatever it is I'm trusting, whatever kind of, uh, you know, bona fides I have between what I, how important I might think I am and recognize that God has done it all for me. All right? I need to surrender my pride. So do you if you want to experience God's peace. Lastly, you need to ponder God's Promises. The final lesson in this very famous passage actually doesn't come from the shepherds. It comes from Mary. Listen to these words. So, speaking of the shepherds, they hurried off because they're excited, right? They said, go to Bethlehem, see this thing. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Okay. There's, a, there's, a, there's a contrast being made here. Now, I would imagine if I was a shepherd and I saw this amazing thing, right? They were all amazed. Even those who heard, even the second-hand people, because only there's probably, probably only a handful of shepherds that saw this original vision, but even the second-hand people, because these shepherds must have been so convincing, they were amazed. But how long did it last? I don't know. Think about something that's happened to you or to me. If you've ever, if you've ever been in the presence of something amazing, right? I mean, when I told you I, had, I gave a wedding and there was a presidential candidate, I hadn't thought about that in 20 years, okay? I mean, it was amazing, but it, it faded, okay? Think of how many people if in the Gospels, as an example, who witnessed not only the miracles of Jesus, but the life-changing teaching of Jesus. Now, there was many, but if you read the Gospels carefully, many people's lives were changed, Many were not. Okay? The amazement lasted for a period, but then it just faded, right? They were amazed, but it says Mary, doesn't say she was amazed, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What's what's my point? If you want peace with God to become more and more the peace of God, of God you need to work that piece in okay Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart there's a lot of people in this room today I'm, I'm, I'm confident who are followers of Jesus there was a time in your life and like in mine where you truly trusted in the finished work of Christ and God saved you. It's, just, it's like the thief on the cross. It's not that difficult. It's a real transaction. But I think probably if I had some magic, you know, ability to, to see people's hearts, you would see a very uneven kind of graph as far as the, true, the peace that some of us have in this room. What's the difference? If, we're, if you have the Holy Spirit of God and you're a Christian, why is there an uneven graph in the hearts and minds of the people in this room? Because you have to work that peace in. Right? Mary said, I'm going to take this seriously. Yeah, that's a great story, and it's amazing, and my life's been a series of amazing things, beginning with the, you're going to have a child without having relationships with them. And back in the original story that Mary got when she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So she's had some amazing visits. But though she didn't, she didn't, that didn't sustain her faith. She heard these words, and she pondered them and treasured them inner heart. Right? You need to make, how do you make room for peace with God? Well, more room for, number one, you need to have experienced peace with God for the very first time, right? That Most of you probably have. But if you've never truly made peace with God, if you've been spending your whole life just looking for the peace of God, almost it's like a feel-good thing. And a lot of people come to the God and come to the Bible and say, I'm just in a jam. I need some help. I need some peace. Need some, and God gives it to us. Even those of us who aren't Christians, God loves everybody. His peace is, is, is indiscriminate. His love is indiscriminate, but it doesn't sometimes last. Right? Because we have to ultimately first make peace with God, you have to face the fact that you are at war with God as a human being. That's the real problem below the problem in the world today. It's not the environment, it's not politics, it's not the economy, it's that we're at war with God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But those of us who have solved that problem, who have experienced peace with God, well then our job is to work that peace in. Mary pondered these things. What are you doing with your life? What am I doing with my time? Right? Pondered these things. And, and that means, means working the word of God in, which is all the harder. Oh my goodness, those of us raising kids in this room. And, I mean, it's all the harder in a world so full of distractions, so full of excuses and reasons why that where there's something more important than working and pondering and deepening and screwing the truths of God deeper into your life that's how you make room for peace so let me just give you an example just some I just came up with this just as an example of how you can do it how I can do it just some quick verses how do you ponder God's these I took this just took me a minute okay things that I've done recently but you can use these as examples. Psalm 143, I already, I already quoted it. It's been one of my favorite verses for the last few years. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love that I may learn to trust in you. Let the, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a promise I come to many days a week. I wake up, Lord, may the morning bring me word of your... I guess that's what I need. See, it's the unfailing love. It's the gospel. It's peace with God, Okay? Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose mind are steadfast with, on you. God, keep me in perfect peace. Help my mind to be steadfast. Okay, that's why I work the peace in. Romans 8.1, I and mean, there's so many. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I self-condemn like you x times a day you say well you're a pastor you've been a christian forever doesn't matter you know better than that right and i have to come back and say i don't care what he says or what she says i recognize it It hurts and my own my own accusations i recognize them they hurt but i come back and say there is no condemnation Right? Jesus Christ has taken the bullet for me. He has become sin for me who knew no sin that I might be the righteousness of God in him. And, and, and I take, I screw that in to my heart. Okay? John, 1 John 3, 20. What a beautiful verse. If our hearts condemn us, watch this. We know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Oh my goodness. If if I only had one verse of the Bible, that would be the one I would want on on a shipwreck, right? If our hearts condemn us, raise your hand in your heart if your heart condemns you and has in the last week for one thing or another. We know that God is greater than our hearts and, I love this, he knows everything there is to know about you. So even if your husband doesn't, your wife doesn't, this person doesn't, he knows everything there is to know about you, right? And he says, my love for you is greater than your condemnation, Say, You have to ponder these things, treasure these things, and work them down into your hearts. That's how you make room for God's peace. Amen? Let's pray. God and Father, I thank you for these minutes this morning. Thank you for these amazing stories where we started this morning. So honored to share and witness in these friends who were baptized and will be in the service to come. And Lord, I'm thinking even of my own baptism many, many moons ago. And I reaffirm that this morning, and maybe we all do, or many of us do, to be reminded Lord, that yes, you are holy and perfect and live in unapproachable light. And we all feel that tension in our lives, if we're honest. But you have sent your Son into the world with an announcement that you would make peace with us through the sacrifice of Jesus. He was born that he would die and rise and give us true peace with God and I just pray, Lord, that you we would help us this morning, wherever we are in this hour, in this room, uh, listening here today, wherever our hearts are unsettled, uneasy, Lord, may we op- make more room in our lives, make more room in our days, uh, make, uh, reorganize our schedules, get smarter about pondering and treasuring the the gospel, in a greater way that we might experience your peace. Not just peace with God, but the peace of God that passes all understanding. That it would guard our minds, guard our hearts, Lord, and and truly, Lord, um, make us um, peacemakers even with 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 a with a world at war with itself we love you and thank you in jesus name amen